Hi, my name's Ryan Perry. I'm the pastor at Seneca Baptist Church, and we are so thankful that you're joining us in this online resource. Our prayer for you is that this resource would not replace your active involvement in a local body of Christ, but would rather be supplemental to it. If you are interested in getting further connected to the ministry of Seneca Baptist Church or to giving financially, please visit our website, SenecaBaptist.org. Thank you and enjoy. I want you to go ahead and, and turn to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. While you're turning there, I just want to give... Uh, a welcome to any guests that are here with us today. Um, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for coming and being with us. Um, we, don't, we don't take it lightly that you've decided to come to our church, whether it's for one service or for weeks or months. We love that you're here. Um, and, and so if you would do us a favor, we've got some little cards in the pew rack in front of you. They're called Guest Connect Cards. And if you haven't already filled one of those out, we would love for you to do that. And here's why. Number one is after the service, I'd love for you to take that card to the Welcome Center. Um, I think Dave and Nancy will be working out at the Welcome Center. Uh, Dave and Nancy, raise your hand. Uh, they'll be working out at our Welcome Center, and they have a gift bag for you. Um, and in that gift bag is a book, and it, it says, We Want You Here, and it talks about what church membership is. And and there's some of the, about what we believe and who we are and how God's created us and those kinds of things. And so we would love to get that in your hands so that you learn a little about us. Secondly, I want to just uh, I want to say we had a, a great day in Sunday school. And if you're not a part of Sunday school, I want to encourage you to be a part of a Sunday school class. Whether you're leading in a Sunday school class or are participating in a Sunday school class, we are so grateful for our teachers. Can I get an amen on that? Thank you to our teachers. Praise God. There, there are some teachers in this room who spend as much time as I do on sermons on their lessons, and so we are grateful for you. Um, that, and, and I spend a lot of time on my sermons, so thank you for that. Um, we are so thankful. Uh, but we've also been having an amazing time on Wednesday nights. And we want to encourage you to come and be with us on Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights, we've been doing this thing um, called Theology for the Church. What, what we believe and why we believe it. And so what we're intending to do is just to help disciple people on what we believe. Well, this past week was, how can I trust the Bible that when I pick up this thing from the store, that it is the words of God? And um, how can I trust it? And how was it made? And how, how did it get put together? And so we addressed that conversation last Wednesday night. And we had a good time doing it. I've had a number of people come up and say, wow, I, you know, I was helpful. I learned some stuff there. And so if you're not coming on Wednesday nights, we want to encourage you to do that. Because we're going to feed you spiritually. We're also, if you come on Wednesday night, we will feed you physically. Because we've got dinners on Wednesday nights. And they are good, and we would love to have you there. Catered dinners, let me just tell you the deal of the century. A catered meal, individually boxed for safety reasons, so you got nobody serving your food or touching your food except the caterer, um, and that caterer is individually boxing meals, and a meal is $5. $5. 
That's a deal right there. And if you've got a family of 19, well, guess what? The most you can pay is $15, all right? So $5 for a single plate or $15 for a family. And, and I tell you what, I, we can't cook a meal for $15 for my family at my house. Uh, my kids eat a lot. I'll blame it on them. Is that okay? They eat a lot. I don't, of course. Um, but, so we've just been having a great time. I want to encourage you to come. It's been so much fun. Uh, this weekend, we're going to go on to this idea of who is God and what does the Bible say about who he is. So we're going to be looking from the Old Testament forward of how God reveals himself to mankind. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, on Sunday mornings, for the past three weeks, we have been talking about membership matters and why membership matters. We at Seneca Baptist do not believe in this idea that you can write your name on a church's roll, and that is good uh, if that's all you do. We believe that me membership is meaningful, that it matters, that both the scriptures and the church uh, in general expects things out of every church member. And so the first weekend we talked about worship attendance and uh, why even in the midst of a pandemic it's important. We understand why people choose to stay at home for certain times for health reasons, etc. But it's important and we, even though we uh, many have not gathered and that's understandable, it is important to get back as quickly as you can. I know this, I, I believe with all of my heart that lots of people are going to find a place of of comfort, and I don't necessarily just mean in Seneca Baptist, but I believe the, the landscape of the church can even change just because, man, it's really easy to watch church from home in your PJs. Um, and so we want to encourage people back because worship attendance is important, it's valuable, it's good for the believer, right? Amen? Not only is worship attendance good, that we should not forsake the gathering, but also Sunday school participation is good. And it's where we do life on life. Here in this room, we don't have a ton of people in this room. But guess what? You can come in. You can hide. Nobody can know you. You don't have to know anybody. And you can do that right here in this room. We don't want that to happen. Not at Seneca Baptist Church. We expect that if you're going to be a member of our church, you go to Sunday school. That's a good expectation. Because that's where true life change happens. Okay, third. Third. This week, I get to talk about the topic of generosity generosity. And if you're a guest today, you say, oh, of course, I come and the pastor preaches on money. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but, but that is just one of those things that, uh, that happens all the time in church, um, that, that we say, well, all churches want is your money. And I just want to, uh, I'm going to come after that in a little while, and you'll hear me come after that, but that's not true of our church, and that's definitely not true of the Lord. It's not true. Okay, so when we talk about generosity at Seneca Baptist Church, I kind of feel like it's preaching to the choir. Here's what I mean. We are an incredibly generous people. An incredibly generous people. I want to give you a few numbers. Um, in the year 2019, just before the pandemic, Seneca Baptist Church gave away over $150,000, went out of our checkbook into the hands of ministries and seminaries and missionaries all around our uh, city, our state, and our world. Isn't that incredible? You guys have done that. That is what you guys have done. The number is actually somewhere closer to 170, but I didn't know it exactly. 
And even in the midst of a pandemic, let me tell you, when March hit last year, there were a number of committees that gathered together and we were coming up with the worst case scenario plan. What are we going to do if? Where are we going to make cuts if? And let me tell you, by God's grace, not only did we not have to do any of those plans, but by God's grace, the year of the pandemic was our strongest year financially in the last five years of our church's history. Isn't that incredible? Praise God. And that's because I've learned that at Seneca Baptist Church, when there's a need, and the need is made known to God's people, God's people always rise up to that challenge. The, the building that we're sitting in is evidence of that. When the need is known, God's people rise up and meet the challenge. This building has been paid off for a while. We have no debt. Isn't that an incredible thing? So I, here's, here's what I want to say. I know it's a bit like preaching to the choir uh, when I talk to Seneca Baptist as a whole, but maybe I just want to get in your world for a minute, okay? So generosity today as we talk is not just, not just money. We often think about it immediately. Well, generosity equals money. But generosity involves so much more. Generosity involves time. How many of you have ever said, man, time is money. Time is valuable. I can give some money to it, but I don't have the time to give. Right? College students, y'all with me on that one? Pay them where you at, brother. You with me on that one? Time. I don't got a lot of time. Time is valuable. It also is talents. What gifts has God given you? And how are you stewarding those? And how are you generous with those? And it's also treasures. And so we're going to talk about those today. Now, before we get into the truth, I want to get into what is false. There have been some false teachings about money. And number one, the prosperity gospel. How many of you have ever heard something like this? If you give X amount of dollars, then God will bless you and make you rich. You've heard that before. That's a, a false teaching about money. It's false, not true. Um, the, the saying goes, God wants you out of debt. He wants you healthy and wealthy. He wants you to be rich. He, I heard this from a pastor's mouth. He wants you to drive a Cadillac. I heard it. Heard it. I had to go back and listen a few times to make sure that my hearers were hearing right. And it, I've heard it. If you're, if you're poor, then obviously you don't have enough faith. And I read the Bible and I go, I just can't see this. Especially when Jesus says, blessed are the poor. Right? I can't see it. You remember, how many of you remember Benny Hinn? Benny Hinn, the televangelists? Um, one, how many of you, okay. Uh, the movie, 1992 movie with Steve Martin. I'm not going to judge any of you, okay? So if you raise your hand, it's okay. I've watched it too. Steve Martin, 1992 movie, Leap of Faith. You remember that movie? Just a few of us sinners. All right, never mind. Um, the tagline of that movie was real, marable, real miracles sensibly priced. The tagline of the movie. I, have, how many of you have heard it said money? This is another false teaching. Money is the root of all evil. You ever heard that? Well, the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. No, the Bible says the what of money? Love of money. Man, I, I'm glad I got some people that read the Bible. The love of money is the root of all evil. That's not true. 
I've heard it said, well, if you're wealthy, that, you can't get into heaven because Jesus said it's hard for a, a rich person to get into heaven. I've heard it go both ways. And you go, well, what's true? Thank you for asking that question because I want to answer that question today. Okay, John Ricks. John, John Ricks, come here, buddy. I need your help. Did you know you were coming down here today? Good, your dad did. John, okay. Do you like donuts? I love donuts. Smell these things. Can you smell them? Oh, man. Can y'all smell them? Let me do that. Do we have smell-o-vision on Facebook? Can you? All right, listen to me. John. Would you like a donut? You would? You would. You sure? Would you like two donuts? Would two donuts be better than one donut? Of course. That's like the silliest question I've ever asked, isn't it? Of course two donuts are better than one. How about five donuts? Is five better than one donut? What about 12 donuts? Would you like to have 12 donuts today? Okay, here you go. Those are yours. Hey, Ricks, Ricks, come here. Before you leave, can I have one? You should see the face that he's given me, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Would you give John Ricks an applause? I'm just going to eat it in front of you. <laughs> Pray for me. Your pastor needs love. Okay. So, John Ricks loves donuts. I love donuts. And, and, and so, I give John Ricks 12 donuts. He turns around and he gives me one of them. Why was it so easy for John Ricks to give me one of his donuts. Because number one, he, he has more than he needs. And number two, five minutes ago, did he have any donuts? No. See, John Ricks just preached a sermon for us. Because what happened in John Ricks's life is he, he was blessed. And, and he didn't have to do anything for that blessing to come. It came because he's a part of this church, but it, it didn't take him anything to do that or to get that. And then because he, he received it freely, guess what he did? He gave it freely. He was generous with what didn't come from him. And that's what we're going to look at in our text today. So if you've got your Bible... I want you to do me a favor. Let's stand to honor the reading of God's word in Luke chapter 16. I, I say that we need to stand because, number one, we truly want to honor God's word. God's word from beginning to end is trustworthy. It was given to us so that we might know him. And we want to honor God by honoring his word. And second, y'all just needed to wake up. Verse 1 says, he said, also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager. 
And charges were brought against or were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and he said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm too ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I'm removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. Verse 5 says, Summoning his master, his master's debtor, one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? Verse 6, he said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. And he said to another, How much do you owe? And he, he said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. Verse 8, The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Verse 10. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in very much or in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Verse 13, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Father, would you teach us this morning out of your word? We want to be good stewards, faithful managers, and generous people. And only you can accomplish that in our heart today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Okay, so here's how the story goes. Verses 1 down to verse 3. There's a manager who's been a steward, who's been entrusted the accounts of the master. Okay? And so he's, he's dealing with the master's money. The steward was wasting his master's money. And so charges were brought against him because he has been an unfaithful steward of his master's money. Now, real fast, I just want to stop and I want to ask you the question. If there were to be an account held today over how you've dealt with the master's money, what would the Father say about us? How would, how would he judge us? Would he judge us faithful? Or would he judge us unfaithful? So the steward here is about to lose his job, his position. Now he's about to lose his own livelihood. And he says, what am I going to do? Aha! Verse 4, I know what I'm going to do. I've decided what to do. So when I'm removed from management, people may receive me, may receive me into their houses. Okay? So now, you see the, the background. I'm going to tell you four things that Jesus is teaching us today about how to be good stewards and generous kingdom givers. Okay? That's what I want you to hear today. Four things straight out of this passage that I want you to see that God would teach you and me today. Number one, he was, the first thing we're learning is this steward was generous with the master's money. Verse five, so summoning his master's debtors, 
one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, well, I owe him a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master, verse 8, commended the dishonest manager. Understand this today. The steward was utilizing the master's possessions in his final moments to be generous to other people in order to gain their favor. Are you tracking with me, church family? You understanding what I'm saying? uh, If I did this with the church's money, you would not call me faithful. You'd call the chief of police who was here with us last week and you'd say, come get him. You'd say, come get him. But here in this passage, the master doesn't condemn the steward, the manager. Rather, he commends the manager. Now, in my brain, I go, what? That's the weirdest story I've ever heard. That doesn't make any sense. Why does he commend him? In his final moments, the steward is using something that was fading. I want you to listen to me. The steward was using something that was fading away from him to gain something that would last a long time. He does not, the the master who is commending him, he does not commend his dishonesty or selfishness, but rather he's going, man, this guy's kind of a genius. That's pretty smart. He's using unrighteous wealth to gain friends so that they'll take care of him when this fades. Are you with me, church family? See, he is commending the servant's use of this brief moment for long-term rewards. See, most of us in church, we have it backward. We leverage long-term value for short-term gain. Most of us, we cut corners with God for the short term. And that's not what we see in the scripture today. We see that the the steward had a long-term vision in mind, and so he was generous with what belonged to the master for the long-term reward. So we think about cutting corners, and that's exactly why Jesus is telling this parable about a corrupt manager who, who thinks sometimes like us. Now, here's what I want you to understand today. We are just stewards. We are just like the manager in the master's home. We are a steward of a household that does not belong to us. We're stewards of a finances that don't belong to us. We're steward and all of the possessions belong to the master. I can go through the scriptures and talk about how your spouse belongs to the Lord and your children belong to the Lord and that we should be good stewards of them. I can talk about how your money belongs to the Lord and your time belongs to the Lord. I can talk about how everything that we have belongs to him and we're only managers of it. The problem is that oftentimes what God has given us to hold with open hands, we hold with tight ones. What's the first? Some of the first bad words that babies learn. I say bad. I don't mean cuss words. Don't scream any cuss words out in our church, okay? 
mine know. Who taught them that? Nobody did. That's our nature. In our, it, it's in our nature to say those things, to look after number one. And even as children of God in the Father's household, guess what? Sometimes He hands us things and we grab hold of them and we say, mine and no. Are you with me, church? We are simply stewards. And hasn't the master, hasn't the father been so generous to you and to me? Are y'all alive out there? You're either sleeping or you're in denial of how good God's been. How, how many of you had food to eat this morning if you wanted it? If not, John Ricks has a box of donuts. He said, nope, <laughs> I gave one away. You had food to eat. You had clothes on your back. You had shelter over your head. God's been good to us. You woke up today. You might feel alone, but you're not alone. God's been generous to us. And if he hadn't been as generous to you financially as he has been to someone else, don't forget that Jesus became poor through taking on the sin of the world on his back so that you might become eternally rich in him. Gosh, he's been so good to us. And we're stewards of God's resources. And Matthew 25 recounts a parable that uh, the master went away and he entrusted uh, his money Ten talents to one, five talents to another, and one talent to a third. And the third one took that money and he just dug a hole. You remember? And he buried it. And the master came back and the first one, the ten, had doubled. And the second one, the five, had doubled. And he says, well done, good and faithful servants. Enter into my everlasting joy. They were good stewards of the master's money. The third one, he dug a hole and he buried it. And he came back and when the master called him to account, here's what he says. He says, I knew that you were a harsh master. That you reap what you didn't sow. And so I buried it. The master says, you could have at least invested it in a bank and you know, got a part of a percentage back. You wicked servant. He's teaching us about stewardship. And we're not supposed to be digging a hole and burying these things that God has given to us to steward. We are learning to invest them in such a way that there is a spiritual return on an earthly investment. Did you hear me, church family? That's what generosity is. It's investing the monies that belong to the Lord and the resources that belong to the Master in such a way that I will receive eternal spiritual fruit or return on investment from the investments made. But some of us, we are like two-year-olds and three-year-olds that go, no, that's mine. I was talking to Ella yesterday. That girl's a mess, y'all. Pray for me when she's like 16. I was talking to Ella yesterday, and Ella, I don't know how we got on the, the her, she's got a bunch of princess dresses. 
Daddy, I'm never, ever, ever going to throw or give away my princess dresses. So she said, I'm never, ever, ever going to give away my princess dresses. And I said, baby, what about if they're, if they're too small for you? Well, that's okay. We can just throw them away. I learned a lot about, I think, sometimes the way that we think. I'd, I'd rather throw it away than give it away. And I, I bet that would describe some of our checkbooks better than it would this passage of Scripture where we're being commended to be good stewards of the possessions, time, talents, and treasures that don't ultimately belong to us. Do you want to be generous? I sure do. It comes from understanding that everything we have belongs to Him. That's kind of insulting. For, it grates against our flesh. I've worked hard for this. Who gave you that ability to work? Well, with my mind, I came up with that idea or that invention. Who gave you that ability? It grates against us. Do you know? Hmm, I hadn't planned on saying this. Sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. Do you know, one of the biggest ways that, that many of you in this room can be generous is you've reached that age of retirement. You have more time. Well, some of you, some of you have heard that retirement's busier than when I was working. But you have time that's unaccounted for, and what if you used your time like a tithe? That if you gave your time and were a good steward of your time, understanding that he's numbered your days and he's given you every breath. See, we, we want to make sure that our generosity is invested in the kingdom in such a way that we will get eternal spiritual fruit from earthly investments. Do you make, does that make sense? Number two, I want, to see, I want you to see that God's looking for faithful stewards. Look down at verse 9, or 8. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into their eternal dwellings. Verse 10. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. Verse 11, if then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, listen, who will entrust you the true riches? Verse 12, and if you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? I want to, you to hear your pastor say this morning that not only does everything belong to him and we are stewards of his possessions and time and talents and treasures, but we are also, God is also looking for faithful stewards. You see, when I understand that everything belongs to God, it doesn't make me careless, it makes me more careful. I read, uh, I read a book this week, a little book by Chip Ingram called The Genius in Generosity. Um, it's like a, a couple afternoons of reading for this slow reader. It's a little bitty book. 
but it, man, it's just it's so astounding. And he said early in his ministry, a man, uh, 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 a leader in his church came to him and said, I've got a proposition for us, a business proposition, which made him nervous as a young pastor. He said, meet me at such and such restaurant on such and such day. And he went and he said to Chip Ingram, he said, you know, I love being generous, but I don't have the ability to see as many people in need as you do as a pastor. So here's my proposition. I'm going to make an account. I'm going to give you the checkbook. And I'm going to put $5,000 in it that you use at your discretion. How many of you would like that right there? Sounds like a good deal, preacher. Well, for Chip Ingram, it, it, it wasn't exciting at first. Because he knew that every cent in that account belonged to his church leader. And so he, he said, it didn't make me careless, it made me careful. Because I understand that I had to give an account for all of that. I couldn't walk back into the restaurant one day when we met to talk about how it was going and say, you know, I know you said $5,000, but there's a few hundred dollars that are missing. I'm not sure where they are. He couldn't have done that. It doesn't, when I understand that it all belongs to him, it doesn't make me more frivolous it, it pushes me to be faithful. I want God in the resources he's given me, the time and the talents and the treasures to find me faithful. And if I can just make a confession, this sermon is so challenging for me. Because so much of the resources that God has given me end up on me, mine. No. In, in the book, Chip Ingram, he says, this is why Jesus talked about money so often. It's because of the way that we handle money. Our trustworthiness as stewards is one of the most accurate reflections of our relationship with him. In that moment, we either need to say amen or ouch. Because what, what, what Chip Ingram is saying is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, where your money is, there, or where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's a reflection of our heart, the way that we spend the master's money, the way that we spend the master's time, the way that we spend and use the master's talents. It's a reflection on how I see him. See, when there are issues in my pocketbook, it's a reflection that there are issues in my heart. Often people will say, how do you know a person's saved? Well, uh, one thing I can tell you is a fruit of salvation ends up being the way that finances are spent. Johnny Hunt said, sometimes the last thing to be saved in a person is their pocketbook. He can save me from hell, but he can't save my pocketbook. See, we're not just accountable for the offering. Whether that offering is 10% or 50%, we're not just accountable for that offering. Guess what? The Bible reveals that we're accountable for all of it. All 100% of what God has given to us, we will have to give account for. And are we being good stewards? And God's, I just need you to know God is looking for faithful stewards. As a church, we're trying to be faithful. We want to spend 
the, the monies that come from the Lord through you to the church, we want to spend those as wisely as possible and invest as much as we can back into the kingdom. We want to do that, but it's not just about money. We have this big building here, and right now the church is praying about how to steward this building for God's glory in the days ahead. It's one of the resources that God has given us, and oftentimes it is buried in the sand because six days a week almost it sits empty. And we don't want to see that happen. And so your ABC right now is praying through a couple opportunities, maybe about how we could invest this building for kingdom purposes. Third thing I want you to see is we have a choice between temporary trappings and eternal treasures. Look at back at verse 10. One who's faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. Verse 11, if then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, listen to what Jesus says, who will entrust to you the true riches? I want, I want true riches in my life, and I'm not talking about finances, I'm not talking about money, this isn't a, a prosperity gospel message, but I want the true riches that come from God in my life. Is there anybody with me on that? And what Jesus says is, if I want the true riches, he only entrusts the true riches to those who've been faithful with unrighteous wealth. Those who have been faithful in little are entrusted more. And I want to be faithful. Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 20. I think we've got it on the screen. Jesus says it like this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on where? earth but he says where moth and rust destroy where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in where i want you to understand the the comparison that jesus is making he says don't lay up for yourselves treasures here but lay up for yourself treasures there do, do you see that when i invest in 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 generous and i'm a good steward with god's resources and I'm investing them into the kingdom, guess what it's doing? It's building up treasures of some spiritual sort in heaven that are for me. And I don't mean money. I don't mean big mansions. I just mean that there is a spiritual reward for being a good steward here. And that's the kind of eternal treasure I want to be about. See, if I'm faithful in what is temporal, God will entrust to us things of the kingdom, things and people that the things and people that matter most to him. When we steward our time and our talents and our treasures well, God promises to bear spiritual fruit that will last. So he says, we've got a choice here between temporal trappings and eternal treasures. Hey, do you know that everything you have, all your prized possessions will one day fill up landfills? That nicest phone that you have or greatest gadget will one day be obsolete? <laughs> I can't believe you used that thing. How many of you remember flip phones? How many of you still got a flip phone? Praise God. I love you. All right. 
I remember when flip phones came out. My, we had the bag phone. My dad had the bag phone. I remember when that thing came out, I felt we are somebody. My dad even had the speaker phone thing in the corner of his car. And now you can't go to a thrift store without finding a bag phone, can you? And you buy them and you're like, I just needed to show somebody. This is what it used to look like. Rotary phones. How many of you remember when rotary phones came out? There's some great YouTube videos on, uh, about uh, a parent saying to a child, I'll give you $100 if you can dial this number. They slide them a sheet of paper. If you can dial this number on this phone and you've got two minutes. And they can't do it. It's great. Sorry. Everything that is valuable to us, no matter how valuable, every possession that is valuable to us is fading away. But there are possessions stored up in heaven for those who are faithful, and I want to be a part of that. I want to work for those. The last thing I want you to see in this passage is that generosity is a tool to set us free from idolatry. Generosity is a tool to set us free from idolatry. I want you to read verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus is teaching on stewardship and on generosity because, not because he wants something from you, but because he wants something for you. Have you ever heard that somebody say, well, all the church wants is your money. I want you to understand that Jesus talked about money a lot. 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus gave were concerned with how to handle money and possession. 16 out of 38. I ain't no mathematician, that's a lot. One out of 10 verses in the Gospels, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible, the entire Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 on faith, but speaks more than 2,000 times on money and possessions. Jesus talked about money more than he did heaven and hell combined. Well, darn. Why did Jesus talk about money so much? It's not that he wants something for you. Just think about that. Well, all Jesus wants from me is my money. That is silly. Why, what would the God of heaven, who's the creator of all things, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, that the earth is his footstool, why does he need your tithe or your offering? We've never given such an amount to God that he's like, wow, that's impressive. I guess... Can I write an IOU? No. He doesn't want anything from you. He wants something for you. He wants to set us free from the love of money, which is idolatry. And it plagues all of me, us, I mean. It plagues your pastor. It's so easy to get caught up in money and things. Chip Ingram, in his book, he says, money makes possessions or makes promises that it can't fulfill. It ends up only being a harsh taskmaster, 
destroying relationships and keeping its servants chasing after the wind. What money promises, security, significance, purpose, and happiness, only God can give. See, Jesus is saying, if you go looking for identity and looking for acceptance and looking for all of these things in money, guess what? You'll find it for a moment and then it'll vanish. But if you search for acceptance and identity and value in the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what? He will give that to you and it will not ever fade. Seneca Baptist Church has the opportunity to be a generous church. We, we as the stewardship committee are committed to increase our giving to others every year. We're at 14% of every dollar that comes in the door. Right off the top, 14% go to what we call the cooperative program. Seminaries and missionaries. 14% go right back out of our doors. And we're, uh, we want to get back to where we used to be, which was around 20 to 25. We want to give it away. Because we want to invest in things that are eternal. Are you with me, church? We've got that opportunity. I struggle with this. I struggle with generosity and stewardship. Not so much the action of it, but the heart behind it. Can I just confess? This is just me and, me and you. I, when I first got here, I set up with Miss Lynn an automatic withdrawal. Because the last thing that I'm thinking about on Sunday morning is writing a check. I got a couple other things on the brain that I need to get done. And so I... I always forget. So I just set up an automatic withdrawal. I did that early on. It's been beneficial for that. Um, and, and, and Liz and I make, made a commitment that we're going to try to give more each year incrementally. But I struggle with the heart behind it. I struggle with the want to. Does that make sense? Not the action but I see a person in need. And it's a need that I can meet. I struggle with the want to. Are you with me? When I, when I get money in my account or in my pocket, I almost immediately begin to think of, hmm, what could I do with that? It's, not, it, it's the heart behind it. I struggle with the heart behind it. I struggle with seeing that everything that I have, that my family belongs to the Lord, and I'm supposed to be a good steward of them. I struggle with time and the way that I spend it. Can I get an amen on somebody who's spent a little too much time on Facebook lately? That, that that's a, a, a resource that God's given me. I struggle with it. I struggle with seeing that God wants me to use everything in my life for eternity's sake. I, str I struggle with the heart behind generosity, but I don't want to. I want that to change. So as I close, I want to remind you that you're, we're only managers and stewards. And the way that we steward... And manage the resources that God has given us are a reflection of our relationship to Him.
And, and just think about it. The intent behind it is that when I seek him and I desire to spend those resources, time, talent, treasures in a way that honors him, what's it going to do to my relationship with him? It's going to grow it. Man, isn't that a good thing? Like God's heart for you isn't just to take from you. But when you... Job said, I laid my treasures in the dust that I might have treasure in the Almighty. That's the joy in generosity. Second, we give God our first and best. We give God our first and best. Now, here's what I'm not doing. I'm not, you've not heard me say tithe or you need 10% or you've not heard me say that. Because some of us can give 10% and not be generous. But I, I want, I just, we give God our first and our best. It, when I do, it reorders the loves of my heart and it sets my priorities right. And, and I should give regularly, whether I feel like giving or not. How many of you? You on, if you only did something that you felt like doing, you'd actually ever do anything. So we, I don't feel like loving my spouse today. I'm just not gonna. Next weekend, March 7th, we have an opportunity that sits before us. Um, we've got the Baptist Foundation of South Carolina who's coming um, and they're going to come and they'll be with us in our service, but they're also going to meet with us after our service to talk about estate planning. Well, that's morbid, Ryan. Here's what I want to communicate to you. We have an opportunity to give to the Lord, be generous in our state, to leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our days. And it's an opportunity that you have next weekend. It's right after church. We're going to buy you lunch. And you'll have an opportunity to learn about the services that they provide. They'll, they'll help you finalize a will and do a will. And they'll do it for reduced cost through our South Carolina Baptist Convention. They'll help you with all that. Liz and I have started the process of, of doing that. Because two of our children are not in our will. Sutton and Ella would just get left out. So, but it's an opportunity. Um, all of this comes down to this simple fact that God's people are generous. God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, we don't want anything from you. We want something for you. But what we do want to see is the resources that God has given you and the resources that God has given me, we want to see them invested into eternal things that will bear fruit for an eternity. And I pray that you'd want to be a part of that. Whether you give to Seneca Baptist Church or whether you give to another organization, I'm going to encourage you, if you're a member of Seneca Baptist Church, please give to your church. But if you're not a member of our church, I don't care where you give, what Christian organizations you give to, but put your money in the kingdom. We don't need your money because if God wants something for us, guess who my, my father is going to provide for us? 
I'm, I'm not asking. Never mind. That was a that was a Holy Spirit moment. Some of you are here today, and you're you're feeling the weight of man. Am I being a good steward? And what? Neither am I. But let's walk a road together. It says, hey, I want to be a better steward than I'm currently being. I want to be a more generous person than I'm currently being. Maybe you're not giving. There's no better time to start giving than now. Well, I'll give when there's more. No, you won't. It'll be harder to give when the amount's more. If you want to talk about that, maybe you need budgeting stuff. We've got people who've taught budgeting classes for Crown Ministries uh, right here with us, and I bet they would be willing to help you walk through what it means to live on a budget. But we, we just want freedom from idolatry to money and possession to be broken. Or we want that freedom to come. We want those chains to be broken. We want you to be free in Christ Jesus be all that he wants you to be. Would you stand with me? Brother Tom, Miss Margaret, Miss Sarah, would you come close us today? Here's what I don't care if you ever do. I don't care if you ever give a dollar to Seneca Baptist Church. Here's what I do care that you do. I care that you'd give your heart to Jesus. So if you're standing right in your seat today and you say, well, I don't know what would happen to me if I were to die and stand before the Lord today. If God were to say, why should I let you into heaven? I have no assurance as to why he should let me in. I want you today to trust Jesus. He is the only way of salvation. And I want you to do that more than I want anything from you. Would you pray with me? Lord, my prayer is for every heart to be softened and pierced and drawn to you for salvation. And then those that you've saved, would you sanctify us? Would you transform us into your image? Make us generous, cheerful, giving people who are good stewards of all the resources that you've granted to us. And if that means that we change, Father, would you give us your Holy Spirit to empower us to want that change? Father, I pray for every person in this room that when they walk out of here that they could know Jesus as Savior and Lord. We love you. Thank you for being our provider. In Jesus' name, amen.